Welcome to the Holy Hour. It's the bi-weekly all-cure podcast. I'm Gavin. Thanks for joining us. I hope you're doing well out there and you are all recovered from Halloween. And I hope you had a wonderful and safe time. I hope uh, you got your sugar buzz is, is calming down a little bit. I hope you got all that goat blood cleaned up and everything's starting to get back to normal as we uh, start to hunker down and prepare ourselves for the next two months and the holidays approaching. Anyway, let's not get depressed yet. Let's just think about um, the wonderful time we had. Did you guys, did you have fun? We had a good time with our party. It was a big success. It was like crazy hot, almost like 80 degrees, high 70s I think it got up to. So we're all sweating but having a great time because we were able to do it all outside. And um, seemed like everyone had a good time. So it was, it was a 100% success and uh, no injuries or anything like that. And then it was even weirder. A couple days later for the official trick-or-treating side of it, we took uh, the little ones around the neighborhood there. And it was freezing cold now. So And the cold is lingering. So uh, we got both both extremes, which I guess is fine. But uh, I would have just settled for an all-hot Halloween. But... Anyway, we got a wonderful show for you guys. We've got a bit of a hodgepodge show for you. We haven't done one of these in a while. But um, stuff I didn't want to let slip by for much longer. We have a wonderful listener contribution from Deanne, where she went to a Cure meetup in Tokyo and gives us a first-hand report of how that all went. We got a lovely uh, Cure origin tale from our listener and Patreon member Tim that uh, is really cool. I think you're going to enjoy that. And I'm, I figured this is a good time to do a little um, hype and to get ourselves mentally prepared for the South American tour dates that are coming up next. So I can't believe it. We're almost going to have another round, and we're going to try to cover it all for you guys. So I figure we can go over the essentials right now and see what we know, what we don't know, a few little predictions here and there, and hopefully get us all a little pumped up, even us that are just staying behind and watching from afar. But you guys down in South America, whoo, I bet the butterflies are going, the jitters are kicking in right about now. At the end of this month, not even end, near middle slash end, you will be there seeing The Cure live, getting your taste of the Shows of a Lost World Tour. You're going to love it. Trust me, now that I can say, I've seen it, man, and it is awesome. So uh, buckle up. You're going you're gonna to be in for a ride. And a couple other little odds and ends I want to run by you guys before signing off that are uh, just things floating around in the Cure world that I want to get on the record and, and acknowledge out there, but probably aren't worth dwelling a whole episode on. So, whew, with all that, um, what do you think? Should we dive in? Yeah, why not? Well, that's why we're here, right? So how about we kick things off with this uh, listener contribution from Deanne, who's uh, contributed to the show before, diehard Cure fan. You guys on social media all know her. A lot of us got to experience the meetup environment and situation on the North American tour, but can you imagine how awesome it would be? Cure meetup in a foreign land. So... 
Let's hear how this all unwound and how Deanne ended up at a cure meetup in Tokyo. On Saturday, October 14th, I found myself at a The Cure fan event in Tokyo. How, I hear you ask? Well, firstly, I live in Japan. Secondly, a fellow The Cure fan and friend of mine here in Japan that I've never met in person told me about it. Then came the question, do I go? Anyone who knows me knows I am a worrywart and have anxiety issues, not to mention am shy in new and unfamiliar circumstances. It wasn't an easy decision, not only because of what I mentioned before, but I had only recently returned from an expensive trip back to Australia. So to spend a few hundred dollars going to Tokyo needed to be worth it. Getting to meet my online friend and also being able to catch up with an old friend and fellow The Cure fan from back home was on the price list for sure. After going back and forth for about two weeks, I decided, what the heck? On Friday night the 13th, I boarded a six hour overnight bus to Tokyo. I've done it once before, but don't remember it being such a bumpy ride. However, I managed to sleep, kind of. I arrived in Shinjuku at 5.35am to a lovely sunrise and was greeted to Tokyo by two young ladies trying to coax their either drunk or drugged up friend out of the public restroom for about five minutes. You can only imagine what she left behind in that stall. With nothing really being opened at that time of the morning, I decided to head over to Okoda where my hotel was to drop off my bags and get some breakfast. However, the hotel reception wasn't open yet, and other than a convenience stores and a beef bowl chain shop, there wasn't any place open for breakfast. So I grabbed a kombini iced coffee and decided to head towards Nakano Broadway, a place I've always wanted to visit. Arriving in Nakano, I was greeted by Sun Plaza. Some of you may know that Sun Plaza was the second place that our lads played on their first tour of Japan, those dates being October 16th and 17th, Osaka's Sunkei Hall being the first on October 15th. I was happy that I got a chance to see it as it's being demolished in the next couple of years. I had a little look around Nakano then headed over to Shibuya to check out some record stores. Unfortunately I didn't find any Cure records that I didn't already have. Back to the reason for this trip. The Cure Japanese fan community has put on various events over the years, but due to COVID-19, this is their first event since The Cure's appearance at the 2019 Fuji Rock Festival. They did an event in Tokyo to coincide with it. This weekend's event was called 10.15 Saturday Night, and on the digital flyer put out by the organisers, one of them posting as 100 heads on X, Twitter, it said that there'd be DJs, bands and a fan talk time. It sounded like fun. Skip forward to the event starting time. My two friends and I walked up to what we assumed was a venue and we saw a group of people congregating outside, all in black. Upon closer inspection, we saw a couple of Cure shirts. This must be the place. We were greeted by the congregation and then led inside. We head down a flight of stairs, then another and another in almost complete darkness, save for mobile phone screens and some dim lighting coming from the basement. At this point I'm thinking, I hope this is not the only exit in the case of a fire or earthquake. Anyway, we finally reached the door clerk, 
pay our money, get a drink, and a free chocolate with the Cure wrapper. There were three to choose from, Paris, Boys Don't Cry, and the image from the 2007 Fuji Rock Festival Cure t-shirt. I chose Paris. The event got started with DJ 100 Heads spinning some tracks, followed by the first of two cover bands, Cineola. I think I've pronounced that right. After them, it was fan talk time, which consisted of a lot of facts and statistics in regards to tours, insurance, sales, etc., etc., given by two Robert Smith lookalikes by the names of Ren and Takashi. This went on for about 20 minutes. Then it was back to DJ time with the second DJ of the night, DJ Kowakira. Next up was the second covers band, Gravel's End, with Takashi as the front man. They were followed by DJ 100 Heads closing out the night. Both DJs played a good variety of The Cure and threw in a The Glove and a Susie and the Banshee song too. We all danced a lot. About the cover bands. Sineola, a four-piece that played five songs. Two songs by male vocalist Masayuki Nakazato and three by a female vocalist whose name escapes me. They put their own touch on five songs and, in my opinion, they sounded lovely. They played Love Song, Lullaby, Close to Me, Caterpillar and Pictures of You. Gravel's End, a five-piece. They were to play a five-song set, but as the scream for an encore, encore, encore grew louder, the band discussed what they'd play. It was to be Killing an Arab. They were more traditional sounding, but with an edge. The musicians were great, the guitarists and bassists had more pedals than I've ever seen one person use it in my entire life. Takashi, the lead singer, was a real showman. Their six-song set consisted of In Between Days, Fascination Street, Doing the Unstuck, A Forest, From the Edge of the Deep Green Sea, and Killing an Arab. I really enjoyed watching and grooving to both bands, as did the other event patrons. About the fans. I was surprised but excited to see that the average age of the attendees would have been in the middle-aged bracket, me included. Most of them were not hesitant to get up and have a boogie and cheer on the bands. Over 90% of the attendees also would have been Japanese, with my three friends and I being, to my knowledge, the only foreigners. The venue, Sakuradai Pool Sakuradai a multi-purpose venue that hosts live performances often using uniquely shaped instruments. The walls and ceilings are lined with sound-absorbing materials. The floor is made of unpainted concrete and exposed to steel beams are seen throughout. At least this is what I read in a translated review of the venue. It actually gives the impression that maybe it was once used as a scuba diving training pool, but this can't be substantiated. I was able to meet and talk to a few Japanese fans that have toured Europe, Australia and the US. It was great to share stories. I wore my handmade lino print Robert Smith skirt and got a lot of comments on it. All in all, I had a great time. It was definitely worth a six hour bus ride and breaking the bank once again to go. If you're interested in seeing any pictures from the event, please head over to the Holy Hour Facebook page.
All right. Thank you so much, DM, for sharing that experience with us, letting us tag along for the ride. How cool would that be? See something so familiar as your love for the cure in such a cool and foreign land. Um, I can't even imagine. And sound like such a great idea. I like the idea of working in the cover bands to a meetup. And uh, sound like they were good ones, too. The video clips you sent me. I'll post those a couple of the songs on our Facebook page. So go on over there, too. Check them out, along with a bunch of other cool visuals that Deanne hooked us up with. Thanks again. All right, guys. We're going to shift gears now, and uh, as we love to do on the Holy Hour, and share a Cure origin tale that we received just a short while ago. It's one I'd been waiting for. I knew it was going to be a good one, and it doesn't disappoint. This is definitely a favorite origin tale that we have ever received through the whole history of doing this podcast and i'm really excited to share it with you guys it's from tim a loyal listener loyal patreon member and it even has little easter eggs in there from past episodes that you may or may not recognize some names come up that you might sound familiar to you and some events that have been mentioned in previous episodes The story has it all. Action, adventure, drama, romance, horror. Pretty much, uh, maybe not sci-fi, but, you know, you can work sci-fi into anything. So, let's dive in. What do you say? Let's hear Tim's origin tale for The Cure. For as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with music. My earliest recollection is asking my dad to put on his John Denver 8-track so I could hear my favorite song. Sunshine on my shoulders makes me happy. Being born in 1975, this wasn't unusual. I have an older sister by 5 years and a younger brother by 18 months. My sister was instrumental in my musical taste development. The first artist I became obsessed with, thanks to her, was Prince. Purple Rain was the first album I ever owned when I was 9 or 10. My sister got it for me as a Christmas present and I wore that thing out within a year. I had struck up a friendship with another kid at school in second grade we were inseparable all the way into our late teens. More on that to come. But he was an anti-Prince, pro-Michael Jackson lover. Being the submissive kid that I was at the time, I started to denounce everything I actually liked and just followed along with him because he was the cool kid. The most popular kid in our grade from second grade forward. When we entered 6th grade, skateboarding was becoming very popular, and we both became skaters. This was the Pal Peralta Bones Brigade era, and we both had Tony Hawk boards. My mom got me a subscription to Transworld Skateboarding. I would read that thing religiously, always looking for hints of music to check out. The majority of it was classic punk, from the Dead Kennedys to Fugazi, but in one particular issue, they interviewed Per Wellender. I had just purchased the Wellender board because I was starting to get tired of just mimicking my friend. They asked him, what is your favorite album of the year? And his response was, 
the cure. Kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. So I asked my mom for that cassette for Christmas, and I immediately fell in love with the diversity and range of emotion, and it remains my number one Cure album to this day, although it does depend on my mood at the moment. I was super excited to share this amazing find with my best friend, but he completely shut it down. He was more into Poison and Bon Jovi and the likes, so I tucked it away and listened in private. My sister got a copy of Disintegration when that came out, and I added that to my secret listening stack. When ninth grade rolled around, my friend moved away, and I was suddenly left without an identity of my own. I had been his shadow for as long as I could remember, and it was a lonely time. I found solace in an older girl at school named Kelly Soriano. who was different from everyone else at our tiny rural school. She was dark, wore Smiths and Cure shirts with fishnets and docks. I think she recognized my sadness and loss. We hung out every day after school at her house, smoking cigarettes and listening to music. And this is where I was exposed to the Cure's entire back catalog. We had an amazing connection, and when the school year was over, we continued to hang out all summer. But she moved away at the end of that summer, and I was crushed again. Then Wish came out. This was the absolute game changer because suddenly everyone in my school knew who The Cure was. And I worked my way back into the popular crowd. Mostly because I'd become a guitar player and singer-songwriter and could play people anything they wanted to hear. Things were looking up. And then, my world changed again when the new girl, Tiva, first showed up. I fell for her immediately when she insulted my guitar playing on our jazz band's cover of Close To Me. I chased her in my best, most awkward way, but she paid me no attention. When summer rolled around and I graduated from high school, I developed a pretty serious cocaine problem and was sent to Virginia to attend rehab and live with my dad. During this time, my old friend came back to live with his mom in our hometown again, and he started courting Tiva, even though he knew well how much I liked her. They eventually got married, and I did as well. We all hung out together and had our first kids four months apart. But trouble was brewing. I eventually got divorced, and my friend and Tiva moved away to start a life with the church. I went the opposite direction and sank back into the traps of addiction, this time specifically heroin. I kept my Walkman and disintegration cassette with me everywhere I landed for about four years, being pretty much homeless, just keeping my cherished music and guitar with me as I bounced around aimlessly. I eventually pulled myself out of the rut I was in, and wild mood swings became my new soundtrack to life. I went back to college and became an engineer and started making a normal life. One day, six years ago, I was on Facebook and my old friend Tiva messaged me. Her and her husband, my former friend, were living in Colorado and being a big piece of this cult that they called a church, and she was very unhappy. We started talking more and more about the cure and how her husband hated them and other useless things. 
And then she announced that they were coming back so she could see the killers at Austin City Limits in 2017. She asked if it would be cool if they stayed with me, to which I said, of course. I hadn't seen them in close to 15 years, and they had been married for 21. I was beyond excited. They stayed with me, and when everyone went to bed after the first night of Austin City Limits, we kissed on the balcony. And that was it. We had an affair. And now we're married with a beautiful daughter and finally got to see our tying bond, The Cure, this year for the first time. It was such an incredible and emotional moment for both of us that we broke down uncontrollably sobbing the moment Robert sang, this is the end of every song that we sing. That moment and this amazing band will forever be one of the biggest pieces of our fucked up love story. I realize this reads more like a life story than an origin story, but the care has been such an integral part of this roller coaster life that I would be remiss to not include the whole thing. Thanks for letting me share it, and keep up the great work. Tim. say what did i say right that story has everything thank you so much for sharing that with us tim really enjoyed hearing it out all and unraveled and started for you and and i have to know um so was the pair well under interview the very first you ever heard of the cure or had your sister kind of planted the seed of the band in your head um or was it a totally blind purchase just getting kiss me because it was mentioned in the skate magazine because if that's the case that's pretty rad that uh first time a professional skateboarder on this show has been the absolute influence and origin of somebody's cure listening so uh let me know on that one and uh yeah pretty rad i i gotta love that i have that board too it's an awesome graphic i love that wellander board Anyway, so let's move on now as we're listening to Alone and we're all getting all the feels from that amazing emotional song. It's that time, guys. It is time for the South American tour dates. Of course, the first one is going to be uh, in Mexico City. So technically that's North America still, let's be honest. But uh, details, right? So we got ourselves eight shows coming up on the horizon three of which are actual full cure shows and uh the other five are going to be parts of festivals headlining festival gigs so we got mexico city kicking it off first on the 19th of november so it's gonna be a sunday night in mexico city this is always a big show for the cure it seems like his marathon one there for his birthday with the earthquake and they played 
Jeez, I have to look it up again. What was it, like close to four hours or something? He just went bonkers that one year and played there forever. Uh, but always seems like a great time. Always an epic set. And uh, then they're off to Peru on the 22nd of November. Then they're playing the festival in Argentina on the 25th and the 27th. They will have another Just Cure show in Uruguay and on the 30th of November in Chile. Then into December, December 3rd, they're playing Brazil at a festival. On the 7th, they're playing Paraguay. And on the 10th, the final show in Colombia, the Cure will be wrapping up Shows of a Loss World Tour at the Primavera Sound Festival there. So we are hoping to cover this the way that we uh, best we can. You know, it's a great, I'm going to tell you right now, looking at the schedule, I had no idea that this falls really packed into like the week of Thanksgiving into the weeks leading up to Christmas travels. So it's going to be a pain in the ass, but I'm going to make sure I get at least some kind of little review for you guys. If not full, we're going to just kind of play it by ear and see what the hell happens at these shows. If it's going to entail more than me just kind of recapping the set list and thoughts and any live streams that might happen, I'll try to catch. So I'll try to just at least get something to document it. So we have the full European, North America and South America tour dates all lined up. I'll be following along as best as I possibly can with setlist.fm and uh, refreshing that setlist as we love to do. But uh, we're hoping to talk to Andy for the first gig. He's going to be, you know, Andy the Cure fan. And uh, he's going to be at the Mexico City show. So that'll be cool. So we'll hopefully get some kind of recap after the show with him. And I've been talking to Jorge. He's going to cover Argentina and Colombia after it's all said and done. And hopefully have a nice chat with him. I've been emailing him back and forth. So all that's up in the air. We'll see how this happens. And... um, I guess this is a great time to throw it out to you guys. As you heard in the past tour episodes, we love it. If you go to a show, um, it it might be hard to do a full-on conversation with you. As much as we would love to just talk and hash everything out in order to get it down and documented in a reasonable amount of time that isn't like a month after the show or anything. If you want to record anything or write up an email... We would love to have any kind of correspondence or testimonials of these shows out there. So that goes for South America, too. Drop me an email at gavinconnor at gmail.com if you want to talk out the details. But if you just want to record a little uh, quick review after the show, tell us your highlights, lowlights, and any of the craziness that went down and, and just how much it meant to you. And uh, we would love to incorporate that into the shows because that would make it so much more personal knowing the people that were at these shows and how, you know, it touched them or any of our traveling buddies, too. If you guys somehow end up in there, I don't really know who's going and who isn't. That's been I feel like we've all been kind of a little um, worn down after that last tour was so epic here that I haven't really caught who's going to what on this leg of it. So. If you did say fuck it in the end and ended up buying a ticket, um, we would love to hear from you. You can always write it up, like I said, in an email, too. If you're just chilling at the hotel or waiting for your plane ride back, we would love just a quick little write-up review. I'll read it for you, and uh, that would be great. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be awesome. 
I'm putting a lot of the uh, prediction sides of things into what happened at the Riot Festival after the North American tour had t- technically wrapped up. We were, there was a lot of speculation. Are they going to keep the same theme going? Meaning, you know, start with the with the rain sounds and open with alone and all the kind of bookend everything with these new songs because they really are treating you know the European and North American tour like. This album is in our hands, and they're touring for it. So, the Riot Festival, off the top of my head, I can't quite remember, but I think they left a couple of the new ones out, right? Did they not do a few? Uh, but it definitely opened and ended with End Song, and um, yeah, so I think it, you might lose some of the, like, uh, I can never say goodbyes on the encore kind of situation. But I could see them going going back to the full set, especially for those three songs that are or three shows that are the full cure shows. Um, I think you might get the full experience there, and I kind of feel like all of them. You know, you're gonna get that that format still. It would be weird for them since they are still calling it shows of a lost world, not just South American tour 2023. So. It seems like it's going to fit that format, so I think everybody there can look forward to at least seeing Alone, uh, Nothing Is Forever, and End Song. Probably Fragile Thing, I would think, would be in there. Hard to say, and you know, with that, they're probably still sticking to the pop format of the uh, super poppy encore, like they did again at Riot Festival, maybe an extended pop encore or maybe still throw in like in between days and just like heaven back into the main set so they could free up something to get a little more wiggle room but i think we we still do have possibility of some shit happening that we didn't see in north america or in europe it seems like they would want to swap a few out at this point uh the way they did where they added high for the riot fest too we hadn't seen that at all. So I could see a few pop ones getting shuffled out. Maybe with uh, Japanese Whispers having a 40th anniversary, you guys might get another Taste of Love Cats again. Something like that, you know, where they throw in a few. Maybe Just One Kiss might resurface. That would be pretty rad, just because it's, uh, even though that one was technically 82, I think. So we're going on. But the Japanese Whispers anniversary. Who knows? They, they come up with a reason if they need it. But I think you are going to get some inter-shufflings of the set. It'll probably structurally be the same as what we've been seeing. I think for their sanity and just knowing that there's a lot of people traveling still. And just different things would work better down there. So hopefully you'll get some cool stuff. Um, it would be cool to see like six different ways thousand hours pop back in but maybe that was a north american and done kind of deal the way we didn't get a few of the ones from europe either but i hope you guys get them because that'd be cool if those were more regular in the set list and of course the possibility you know like mexico city they could throw a whole bunch of stuff that we haven't heard in a while and just really extend the set out especially if that columbia one is the last gig of the year then they might try to blow that out. You know, I don't really know what these festivals are as far as ours with curfews and keeping it shorter sets or not. And with it being a finale, I think you'll definitely at least get the uh, extended Killing an Arab 1015 kind of ending where they tack a few more on and rush through. Not as much chit-chat maybe, but 
Bound to be pretty rowdy and pretty awesome. So I think those are all safe bets there. Something's coming up. We got me thinking of like the the stage um, light shows and the backdrops and stuff. And they said that the sets are kind of hard to get more loosey-goosey with that because everything's set to those. But if you think back on the nights where they did shuffle in weird stuff, even Love Cats in Miami... They would just go to like a live camera kind of backdrop. You know, it wasn't like they had animated cats bouncing around out of anywhere. Um, so there really is wiggle room still, even with the light shows. I think it they wouldn't overly do that maybe because, you know, they want the bulk of the show to be a great show and everything synced up. But for the most part, I think they do still have some wiggle room or if they want to plug in some rarer songs or cut loose a bit more they can um it would just be more of a traditional show behind them and not so much the cool animation or light show action going on that the other songs like lullaby or something they're set very specific to a backdrop so i'd say fear not i think there could be some cool surprises in these set lists or we're gonna get some cool shit that we haven't heard yet in north america or europe probably so as far as clues for the new album, I don't think we'll probably get any additional new songs. Uh, it would be more if we get the all six that we've heard at any point, or even five. Um, since the bulk of these are festivals, I would say that limits anything like that. Probably safe to say, but yeah, you never know. Maybe on the three like I said, the three full actual Cure shows, you might get at least the five, I would say. I'm not sure what's up with another happy birthday because that kind of fizzled out pretty fast on the U.S. dates even. So probably won't hear that one. But the other five, you know, I think you got a real good chance of hearing those at least on the three absolute Cure show ones. Maybe not the festival ones just because they're probably trying to festival it up and make room for every song in the set to be a pop or you know more of a fun festive song so i think it's gonna be fun and it's a good balance of festival show regular show festival two regular shows then three festivals so we'll get a good variety of what's going on and and hopefully Hopefully get something to get excited about here is a grand finale of an already amazing Cure year. If you think back of all the awesomeness with live shows that has started back in, what, like May of uh, this year? And here we are, winding down all the way down to December 10th. They are going to be just crushing it, so... I think you guys have a lot to look forward to. I'm super jealous, but I'm super happy for you guys because I know that they don't get down there very often and it's got to be extra special and uh, always seems to be like a good time. Like we were saying last episode, it's hard to see any footage of South American shows where everyone is just fucking going ape shit, jumping up and down, really into it and uh, passionate about the music as it should be. So, so that's about all we got as far as predictions. If you got something that you think might make it rare or um, 
concerning or any of that you know feel free to chime in in the two weeks we have or so before this starts so we can all be mentally prepared or or start to even ponder other possibilities but i think um we've seen a good variety of shit so i think we kind of know what to expect but with the cure you never really know what to expect i expect everybody there i'm assuming all members are on board still and and doing great you should be able to get full rested up Robert, which is always amazing. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fucking great. So very excited for you guys. Please let us know how it is as each show unfolds. As far as other topics, what do we got here? We got uh, the Funkos. Everybody started to get those. Don't, I think they're starting to pop up. I did not order the full Funko band, I believe. Uh, Chaz did. I've seen them displayed and they look great. Um, unfortunately, they don't have Perry. I think they got made before disclosure of Perry being back in the band. But you know what? You have that extra Robert from the first round, the little solo Robert. So technically, you might be able to like paint him a little different to look a little different. But you could just put your extra Robert off to the side because it doesn't really look that much different you can make a little fake keyboard maybe and put that in front of him there you go problem solved because i know all you nerds bought the fucking solo robert first and you bought the full band didn't you yeah and uh, so there you go there's that extra robert that you didn't know what to do with now that you got the full band so funkos are out there i don't know the price they're running but it's probably way more than i'd want to spend so I don't know. Maybe um, somebody will hook me up over Christmas with with the full Funko collection. But otherwise, I'll be all right. I don't really have the, the shelf space anyway. So now that all my baseball cards and posters and Cure merch have taken up this entire tiny room that I'm in over here. Speaking of which, merch, if you all have noticed and you listen to the Purgatory episode, it seems like we left it out. But I kind of left it out on purpose. All the fucking tour merch. Oh, what a debacle that's been, huh? But that's technically was stewing in purgatory. But I left it out because I know it's going to show up eventually. So it'll get out of cure purgatory. If you ordered it, just be patient. I'm sure there's some some horror stories of shit that just arrives destroyed or order got messed up or that you don't get it at all or they sent the wrong shit. That was my bigger fear. Um, but... I got mine a few weeks ago. I got a big old box. They're all in there. I think you're probably better off if you ordered the poster, ordering other shit too, because they put it all in a big box. So it wasn't just a solo poster tube that got sent and crushed. It was in a bigger box with a few t-shirts wrapped around it. And then all my billion little baseball cards. Well, six. But, um, and all of it was in great shape. It was all exactly what I ordered. So I'm happy now. It did take forever. Shit, it was just a terrible company. Um, sounded like they were giving everybody the runaround. You see all these horror stories on the Facebook pages. You know, I tried to just ignore it and wait for it to be a nice surprise. But it is a little ridiculous that you order something back in early May and you're getting it in November, you know. But this and that, you know, whatever. The bigger shame in all of it. You know, you can be all like, I demand blah, 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 and this didn't come out the right way, but the bigger sad part is I would keep ordering shit. If it hadn't been such a, like, a long wait and a debacle, 
Um, if we had just gotten it fairly fast or like they seemed reliable or like confident that they were going to send you the right shit. Um, this would have been great. You know, I would have just been buying people cure shirts for Christmas and stuff like that, like left and right. Uh, but now it's like, I don't know if I order something again, is it going to take like six months to get here? You know, and I don't even know if it's going to come, you know what I mean? It's like, so I've kind of just petered out on even wanting to dive back into it and order more or anything. Cause there's some of those that were really cool, but, um, you know, I was kind of like, well, I don't need that, but think I'm good on tour merch, but it's a shame because it could have been a really cool, just something to have constantly until supplies run out on their Cure website. And, you know, maybe we'll reorder something, but I don't know. What do you guys think? If you When you get your stuff and you're happy, you're going to order any more? A little weird. Nobody said this to uh, the t-shirts. Good quality and stuff. And they're like, but the, the huge prints on the on the chest there, and it's real like just plasticky thick you know it's almost like too heavy of a print on it um that kind of bugs me or it's like it's not comfortable i gotta just wear it and leave it out in the summer or something to get a little more beat up but you know what i mean when you really cake on a, a print sometimes it's like this almost feels like you're wearing like a like armor of plastic on your chest or something you know if it's just a full-on like giant rectangle on your chest which is the poster, you know? So I always get a little like, Ew, it's not really comfortable when I start like sweating a lot or something. That's the worst kind of shirt to be wearing. That's my only gripe. But otherwise, the colors are great and everything seems like it's on there. Like it's not going to fall off or anything. So nothing seems overly cheap or anything like that. Um, and the cards look great. So I'm real happy with the cards. I'm still looking for a way to display them properly. I've seen it. Like Target, they have little, they call them the floating frames, you know, where you can, I don't have anything to set them on, but that might be a cool angle because then you can like, because they have like the two-sided or floating frames you can hang on the wall, but when you're hanging it on the wall, you can't really see the set list on the back, you know? So well, I'm trying to still find the perfect way of like having it where you can flip it real easy and just look at the set list. Right now, I just have them kind of like resting on uh, art, <laughs> other things like just sitting on top of the frame, you know, um, in the little plastic case that they gave us. But I think I'll put all of them in some kind of clear floating frame where I can pick it up and flip it if I need to or something like that. I'm not sure. Any good ideas on that too? Definitely feel free to share because they're cool. I just don't know the best way to display them, you know, without framing them and hanging them on the wall and you can't see the back. So, yeah, on top of that, the collaboration um, with Crosses or, um, you know, the guy from Deftones. We might save that to talk about. I want to do a collaborations episode. Probably have to wait till the new year because uh, we've done, like, collaborations but kind of lumped it in with, uh, you know covers and, and other variations, Robert's solo things, and it was like episode three i think was the last main one i did so maybe we'll do just collaborations episode coming up soon but my quick rundown on the uh the song with crosses it's all right it's okay yeah yeah i like it better than most of the deftones stuff i've heard i know a lot of people are real passionate about deftones and like them a lot but if you've heard 
I, it's no secret on the show I'm not a huge fan. Nothing against them. Their cover of If Only Tonight We Could Sleep was alright, you know? But um, I just never really got into them. And uh, this album kind of keep trying, but it's not really catching me either. Um, it's, it's a cool or it's closer to what I like, but uh, I don't know the song. And then Robert's just saying, I can't shake it or something like that. Um, just like one line over and over, and that's all it is. Which is cool. I always like low uh, low effort Robert, you know? If we got more of it, that would be great. But at the same time, I was like, this is it? Hmm. Okay. But it's a good one for the playlist or compilations and stuff, but it didn't really blow me away. But we could dive into that more sometime, I think, with a collaborations episode. So I'm going to hit pause on that. Maybe it'll grow on me more. But I feel like nobody was really getting blown away the way they were with the churches one. I felt like the churches song brought Cure fans into churches that didn't know about the Cure. And I feel like it brought churches fans into the Cure even with that song. Just because it was a good fucking song. It was catchy, you know? Even more so... I technically probably like Gorillas. I definitely love Damon and Blur and stuff, but Gorillas even that song was just kind of meh even. But uh, the way the Churches one really brought the two worlds in together more, I think that's what a collaboration should do. And I don't know if this Crosses one really does it either. So uh, you know, cool. It's always just good to have Robert on anything out there. I'm, I'm happy with that but i don't think it's going to be something that really quenches our thirst for more robert on recordings for very long it's a nice little little sip of something but uh we need this fucking album man it's it's just killing me again i keep going through phases with it after we talked about the purgatory album uh thing you know and not letting you know just be grateful we have these awesome live shows the album shouldn't be heaven but we really need a new fucking those songs on recordings i keep putting like alone is background music into this and i'm pulling up the the bootleg audio and it drives me crazy it's just like ah why don't we just have good quality versions of these songs i know they're out there but i'm preaching to the choir here aren't i so so let's let that go the only other weird thing is if this is the last show um on december 10th of the year in columbia that's you know a pretty epic thing you know it's always epic when it's the last cure show i don't know if there's any plans at this point seems like australia should be getting a shows of the lost world tour thing so maybe this will be the little calm over the holidays and then january knowing the cure january and february will be quiet and everybody will just start to get really depressed and then we'll get some kind of announcement around march I don't know. Are they going to continue more shows of the Lost World shows? Like in Australia and back around again? Who knows? Will the album come in and throw a whole, like, let's do the whole thing over again? Because now the album's out. A lot of different things could happen. We'll probably speculate on this and our end of the year episode. So, So that's our plan. I guess I'll share that with you guys now, too. Sorry, this one's like crazy rambly. This is what you get on the Patreon if you get um, uh, uh, Holy Half Hour episodes. It's a lot of me just kind of thinking off the top of my head. But uh, just to let you know what's going on with the podcast, we got coverage of the shows of a lost world south american tour which is going to carry us into december i want to record a japanese whispers 
40th anniversary episode. But if somehow it's not fitting in a way that feels natural, I don't think it's the end of the world if we have to scrap it. But I would ideally would like to record that with the fellas and just sprinkle it in there in one of these weeks where we're cramming all these show reviews in there and it might seem like a lot and it might get lost in the mix, but fuck it. I feel like we have to kind of honor that at least on its 40th anniversary. So I'd love to get that in. And of course, at the end of the year, we'll have our year in review, which has been a crazy fucking year, especially on the touring front. So it'd be cool to recap all that with Antonio and Chess. So that's the goal. Lots of great episodes will be unloading in the early part of next year because I've had them on the burner here and all this is kind of pushing them out. So we got the Curapedia book that's coming out like in a week or something, but my Amazon order is saying it's not going to show up till like mid-December now, I guess. Um, which I was feeling real bad that I didn't order the fancy version just because I'm cheap and uh, don't have any money. But... Uh, now people are saying, I think online you couldn't order it anyway here in the States because they weren't shipping that internationally. So maybe I don't need to feel bad after all. But um, but I'm so looking forward to just getting this book. I think it's going to be super rad uh, if we get it in early December here in the U.S. Uh, that'll give us time to look over it through the end of the year and into the first part of the year where I can at least read a good chunk of it before we do an episode on it. And, and we'll let it go at that. We're looking forward to this festival. If you're packing your bags to get down there, good luck with everything. I hope it goes smoothly as far as all the traveling and uh, getting in the right place at the right time. I'm super jealous, as I said, but uh, I can't can't be happier for you guys. I think we're going to get some really cool shows here, too, because finales are always fucking cool, right? So going to get some good Cure wrap-up for the year, a long year of awesome shows. And I don't think these are going to disappoint. If anything, they're going to take it up another level even. And we're all going to be like, fuck, we should have just figured out how to get there. So, all right. So let's leave it there. I got some uh, Patreons to shout out before we wrap up here. So thanks for listening and putting up with my ramble in this time. And uh, if you would like to be a part of the Patreon, we would love to have you on board. It's a cool little crew over there. And uh, you could be a part of it so just go on over to the patreon.com slash the holy hour podcast and uh see what we got to offer see if you want to get in on it on any level we'd be super happy and you'll be in the ranks of donna craig jeff hilton jeff Cortland jones sue ben john alan allison dion amicio matt danny Coulter, Matt Ford, Tom Johnson, Tom Burns, Letty, John Roberts, Francisco, Jason, Craig Bellinger, Amber, Nicholas, Jessica, and we would love to welcome our newest Patreon member, Arno. Welcome to the family, Arno, and uh, thank you so much for your support. We will have an exotic mix CD and some very cool Holy Hour stickers coming your way very soon, so keep your eyes peeled on that mailbox. And of course, this episode's origin star, Tim. And now that we all got to know him a little bit better, we can be extra proud that he is part of New Waterloo, a company that owns and operates five super cozy hotels scattered all about these fine United States. You can find them at the South Congress Hotel in Austin, Texas, the Waymore's Guest House in Nashville, Tennessee, 
The Revival in Baltimore, El Capitan in Merced, California, and coming in 2024, The Albert in Fredericksburg, Texas. And also, now that we know Kelly Soriano's backstory too a bit, let's uh, keep our eyes peeled for her. If you're out there, Kelly, drop us a line. Lots of cure talk to catch up on. Scott over at the Sarlacc Digest helps run the galaxy's finest all-Star Wars podcast every Wednesday evening, 8 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube or catch the replays everywhere you listen to podcasts. They deliver the finest in theory crafting and are the perfect outlet for all your Star Wars talk. You've got boiling up inside you. So follow Scott's advice. Keep it nerdy. Check them out. Dana is a super talented motion designer and animator. Check out her work at graphics.tv. That's graphics with an X.tv. And if you need some animation to promote your business or project, she is for hire. So reach out and see what Dana can do to make your project so much better. Speaking of art, Kate from CureThreads.com just wrapped up hashtag CureTober on Instagram. So be sure to follow that hashtag to see all the complete works. And everyone did such a lovely job, so congrats to everybody that contributed to that. And keep your eyes peeled on Cure Arts Collab on Instagram. That way you can see what upcoming projects you can get involved in next. And I also hate to admit it, but the holidays are quickly approaching. So now is the perfect time to stock up on original Cure-inspired gear, shoes, shirts, blankets. They got everything imaginable over there at CureThreads.com. Go lock down that Christmas gift that will make your favorite Care fan's head spin. Sick of sitting around the house? Don't want to be a hoser? Drive on up to Calgary, Canada and join Lisa at Dickens, the coolest nightclub in the Great White North. Go to DickensYYC.com to find the upcoming show that will knock your socks off. And if you're more of a drive south kind of person, then hop on in and hit up Club Nevermore in Little Rock, Arkansas. Pretty good chance you'll run into Jessica there, so you can hang out and dance to some goth jams all night. Do some Cure Talk. Visit them at clubnevermore.com for a full listing of all upcoming events. Or just stay home and listen to some podcasts. That's what I like to do. Did you know our buddy Chaz has another podcast? It's called the X Communication Station. He, Donovan, and Chrissy dive into what it was like growing up in the church. Often humorous, sometimes terrifying, always entertaining. Find it everywhere you get your podcasts. And as for us, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes, especially now that the uh, South American dates are coming up. I may just put out episodes randomly as much and quickly as possible to keep the coverage immediate. So don't let any slip by and follow our Facebook page so you can see some extras like the photos Deanne took while in Tokyo. And any official business will be posted on our Instagram at the Holy Hour Podcast. So keep tabs on that one in particular. But always feel free to drop me an email too at gavinconnor at gmail.com if you have any comments or questions or correspondences that you want to share from South America. Next time we speak, we'll be uh, talking about the Mexico City show. So it's officially time to get excited. Again, a giant thank you to Deanne and Tim for sharing their stories with us. And you guys for listening. Catch you next time. Let's talk on. Talk on.